Chris, I rolled a zero or a 10. <laughs> zero. Okay. Yeah. Um, Andy, so when you roll a 10, I don't know if this has happened before. You get to pick one. Oof. I have to look at these. T- oh, I have to pick one. Yeah. Uh, you can also take the coward's way out and re-roll. Oh, yeah. It's, it, we are about rolling for, for topic, not choosing a topic. So I'm going to roll again. I rolled a nine. <laughs> you did? Yeah, I did, yes. Okay, all right. Um, well, we are going to um, change that. <laughs> Here, let's Ladies and gentlemen, you are hearing a GM fudging the die rolls <laughs> live because I think I rolled one Chris doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, you know what, yeah, Chris? That, that, this one, it fell off to the side of the table. And so maybe oh, it is it doing that thing where it's like on a piece of yeah, paper? It wasn't a clean landing. Sure. So we're going to roll okay. one more time. Okay. Go for it. Okay. I rolled a three. A three. Andy, today we'll be discussing how do you handle mazes in your games? Oh, by avoiding putting them in my games. But I look forward to talking about this. Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And it is just us today. Um, we just have rolled on the table, and we're going to get into that topic pretty soon. But before we do that, Andy, you had said before you had a, a question for me, or you know, for yourself and me. Yeah, well, it, it's just a pretty simple one. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, it seems like we <laughs> might be rounding the the bend or whatever the metaphor is on the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, you know, I don't know what your vaccination status is or those of your gaming friends, but are you thinking about what you want to play or run after the pandemic ends and you can get back in person? Do you have like a game that you've been saving for the last year because you don't want to run it online? You know, you need to run it in person. Yeah. Um, I have started thinking about uh, doing some, some in-person gaming there was a group that I played with. We just did a, a one shot. It was like a you know, two night one shot <laughs> um, a while back. That was super fun. They all, they played like a group of circus performers um, hmm. that, together. So it was a really fun setup for a one shot. Um, but the Candlekeep Mysteries book is coming out pretty soon that's for right. D&D. Yep. Fifth edition. And so that's a series of one shots that are like, I think they're all loosely related in that the idea is that they can all start sort of in a library inside the, the Candlekeep library. So I might try to do a couple of those. Um, I have it on pre-order. I'm going to see see if they're good or not. I'm sure they're great. But um, yeah, I might want to try to get that group back together, try a few of those. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, is that something that you would run online if uh, if it turns out no. that the social distancing is needed for longer or uh, you you holding no. out to play that in person? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd play it in person. I, I just don't think I... I'm not the right kind of, of DM for playing D&D online. I think there are other games that work well. But for that group, I think, and then also the way I'm foreseeing these these one-shots going, I think that has to be in person for me, at least to, to get get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But maybe maybe I'll be wrong and it's like, oh, this is actually be perfect to just jump online. Yeah. To do. You know, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the general topic of gaming online over the last several months and (laughs) one thing we haven't really talked about is what kinds of games work what kinds of role-playing games work well online Mm -hmm. because i think i would agree with you in my limited experience that D &D, you certainly can 
run a rocking game of D&D online, but it seems harder to do um, than mm-hmm. other games. Yeah. It's odd, though, because in some ways it should work better than other ones because there's a very rigid, like, turn order. The, the thing that I find with playing online and, heck, having, like, Zoom meetings and stuff is you're never quite sure, like, who's supposed to be talking next unless you have someone saying, like, okay, now it's your turn, right? So D&D should work super well in that format. But I think there's a lot of crosstalk that ends up happening even within someone's turn about, you know, like, what they should do and where people are positioned yep. and, you know, characters and enemies and stuff that it's just really hard to pull off well online and again maybe it's like you got to play with everybody who has amazing mics and good webcams and and have a digital map and stuff that you're all looking at maybe that would be different but that's just not the setup that i have oh for sure i was playing Mm -hmm. in a DD game a week or so ago using uh, fantasy grounds and Mm -hmm. that one one of the selling points of playing that DD game was that it would get to check out fantasy grounds like extremely robust support for fifth edition especially combat and stuff. So you can, you know, it's got all the combat conditions and all the rules all ready to go and to apply. And for me, when I run it, when I try those things, it ends up just highlighting how much of the rules I ignore. Because on paper, it sounds great, like that there's full fifth edition support. But in practice, if (laughs) if I'm really only playing 20% of fifth edition (laughs) as the rules go, then it's not as helpful as you would think. Yeah, that reminds me of the first time I played a Magic the Gathering game with some sort of online, you know, <laughs> yes. adjudicated, you know, some sort of online thing. I was like, oh, wow, I don't actually know how to play this game at all. <laughs> yes, I've <laughs> had that exact experience, yes. Yeah, it turns out there's this, like, highly rigid turn order that me and my friends just ignored completely because, you know, it was more fun. Oh, yes, totally. So, uh, yeah, now, before the show, you were also saying that you had something you wanted to jump into before we hit that topic mm. of mazes. Yes. So, uh, take it away, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I am going to do a thing that I like. I don't know if anyone else likes, but we're going to build a, <laughs> a, another D6 table live on the air. Uh, I think it's fun. Um, so at least in Michigan in the United States, we have just gone through this thing that we do all optionally called Daylight Savings Time. Oh. Um, it is the the worst possible thing in the world to do to people with kids in their lives <laughs> is to just change the time for no reason. With that in mind, I'd like to build a D6 table about things that can happen um, related to, like, a mysterious clock in your game. Oh. Huh. Yeah. So, like, when you either... Yeah, like, when the, when the players get this... Uh, let's just call it, like, just to narrow it, let's call it, like, a pocket watch. Um, so, like, they're, they get a pocket watch. Like, what is what are some effects that that pocket watch could have in the game? Okay. Hmm. So, I mean, the, the obvious one, based on run real life right now, is, like the the watch can like set time back an hour like time travel you back an hour yeah like time Mm -hmm. travel yeah like a time turner from from harry potter that like that that sort of thing yeah i was gonna i was gonna say something similar just thinking of how these things are used in video games like Mm -hmm. letting you pause time for like 10 seconds or something like that oh i like i mean that's good it's just a variant of the one you said there but uh yeah, it's like the the freeze frame sort of thing from like sitcoms where someone can, you know, like pause time and then like, you know, talk while everybody's like frozen and frozen in midair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what are some other time related how how else does time like crop up in R- in an RPG that a, a watch could affect? It's a good question. Like I'm mostly brought this up right cuz I'm salty about daylight savings time, but like <laughs> thinking about it in an RPG context. 
Yeah, I mean, like you could, you know, you could do stuff like uh, the holder can can move twice as fast. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be, you know, related to time travel, I guess. <laughs> Although that's yeah. the only place my my mind is stuck on time travel right now. Oh, what if it like it? What if the hands map to an important event that the players like don't quite know, but like it's it's counting down to a mm. certain time. Okay. Yeah. Counting down to an important event whether the players know it or not what if if you have the watch at the appropriate place and you set the the hands to the exact time it creates an effect like it summons something okay i like that summons like chronos himself there you go yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're kind of going back like the la- the last one that i said i mean i do like the the idea of of it like taking down to an important event, but also just if it's just tied to like someone's lifespan, right? So it's mm. just like you have this thing and you know know that yeah, like when it when it hits midnight, like that's that's the time you die. <laughs> you know, it's the time <laughs> that character dies. That's a grim. That's a little yeah. grim, but uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so how many how many things on our table of topics do we have? There's a bunch of them. I don't know if any of them are good, but okay. Um, okay well, so, the, it yeah. was never a criteria for these little table creation things that the ideas be good. <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah, this might may become a D1 table by the time we're done. But let me read what we have so far. You can use it to set time back an hour. You can use it to pause time for 10 seconds other than for yourself. The holder can like move twice as fast. The uh, counting down to some sort of important event. Um, you If you take it and set the watch at a specific place to a specific time, you can summon something. Or it's just tied st- directly to someone's lifespan. So as soon as it hits midnight they're done for what if uh what if the bear of the watch can just cause a target to hear in their head like a an auditory illusion of just like a deafeningly loud ticking clock <laughs> i like that <laughs> like the telltale heart <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay let's um let's just call it there okay i yeah um if listeners if you have any you can feel free to send them in into us and we can add them to the table <laughs> yeah if you've used the yeah. clock uh in a cool way or if one's featured in your campaign i'd actually be really interested to hear that yeah okay all right well thank you thank you for the diversion um as always i enjoy it <laughs> excellent excellent yeah. so okay. shall we jump right into our topic then yes yeah let's let's jump into that right so the the topic that you rolled um which means that you have a lot to say about it is how do you handle mazes <laughs> in your games isn't it funny how the table just magically knows like what you yeah. have a lot to say about <laughs> yeah so i'll start as i often do with a tale from yesteryear so pull up your chairs okay. uh listeners <laughs> uh andy's going to once again uh wax nostalgic about the good old days uh, so I'll tell you how I handled mazes when I was first learning to GM. And that is, I I didn't abstract the experience of navigating the maze in any way. So hmm. I tried to just describe to the players what they were looking at in the maze. So like you see, you know, the tunnel extends about 30 feet forward and there's a turn to the left and a turn to the right. And the players would try to map it. It would be a huge just disaster and then i would hand wave them getting to the end of the maze Hmm. so don't really recommend that but i (laughs) but you know when i'm running an adventure and there's a maze you know and by maze i mean anything that's sort of a labyrinthine structure that players have to navigate Mm -hmm. through so could have been you know a giant rat warren or whatever it is but um so i i've i've like done that kind of uh very literal maze approach before and it didn't work very well were you trying to replicate an experience 
like a, a video game experience when you were doing that or was that just how it made sense to you to to map it out right because like your early 3d video games sort of did have that right you're just sort of looking down the corridor you walk 30 feet and then there's a left and a right yes and in fact i don't know if it was conscious but certainly the the implementation of mazes in games that i i would have been exposed to was like bard's tale and ultima and all those Mm -hmm. other games that do exactly like you're saying so yeah i suppose i was kind of unconsciously just trying to recreate that experience of being in that Mm -hmm. crude 3d you know maze on your um, atari st or whatever it's isn't it like as we're talking like there's when you're when you think about mazes right there's like the the first person perspective and then the like the top down perspective as well right so like when you're typically doing a maze like on a piece of paper right like you're you're drawing the top down perspective you're not drawing the like the from their from their eyes looking forward walking through the maze mm-hmm. uh, and i'm thinking about like mazes that i've done in in real life for example like so something as simple as like playing laser tag for example right like this is this is <laughs> the thing i can think about right now i'm sure there's better examples but like when you're playing laser tag there's like an arena set up right and there's some elevation and verticality and stuff to it but there's also like yeah like different twists and turns that you can you can go through um and i personally don't have a great sense of direction so <laughs> when i think back to those times of like playing laser tag and stuff the whole like the map as you were felt just vast because i couldn't really piece together like you know what's behind that that turn mm-hmm. um like that but i have this experience of you know one time they flipped the lights on you know in, <laughs> in there um and you could kind of see the whole thing instead of it being dark and, and black light and stuff like that and it was very small it just it felt odd mm, yep. like how small this thing was and how constrained it was too how do you ask your players to kind of solve the mazes one kind of amusing problem I ran into back when I was doing mazes in that literal sense is my players would just say, all right, we're going to hug the left wall and we're going to take mm-hmm. as much time as it takes and we'll solve the maze. Like, And it was like, yeah, oh, well, that was less exciting than, <laughs> than I yeah. imagined. Uh, so yeah. how do you, you know, how do you present the maze for your players to get through? Yeah. So I have done this like in two ways. So one time I tried to run it pretty straight, just you know you gotta figure it out you know there's we were we were drawing sort of top down on a map but it's like yeah we we go to the end of that hallway like is there a left and a right and they just they work their way through it and that was profoundly not fun um for i think everybody at the table (laughs) because yeah it turns out like when you're doing a maze and you're sort of drawing the maze as you're going through it it's just it feels arbitrary right and because for all intents and purposes it could be arbitrary i could just be drawing it as as they're going yeah like that um so that was not great the other time that i've done a very explicit maze was in the halloween one shot that i ran that's right um this past year so they were in a corn maze for that um and that i just abstracted out almost entirely rather than it being them taking you know the left and the right at the, the right times it was more just they encountered a couple of difficulties when they were in the maze and other than that they were just sort of lost until they got over the difficulties and then they could find find the end so were they were they rolling to like increase the speed with which they got out of the maze or did you not even do that? Mm, see, I don't, do I want to reveal my secrets? That's <laughs> um, okay. So yeah. we can, we can transfer <laughs> yeah. this to a hypothetical situation. Yeah. Hypothetically, what I might've done is just kept presenting problems to them until it was clear that it was time for the maze to be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they were, they were otherwise bored or we needed to <laughs> move on. Yeah. For the reason, yeah. So I, I ran it, ran that game twice, and I think both times it was, you know, four or five difficult things that happened 
that they had to make a decision about and then they could find the the end of the maze so mazes are in you know a lot of movies and books right uh Mm -hmm. but it i wonder if the purpose to which maze the purpose that mazes serve in those other media just isn't quite very well served by using them in rpgs as much i mean because if you Mm -hmm. so why would you have a maze in an rpg obviously one reason is for like setting realism or verisimilitude or whatever the term is right so if the Mm -hmm. rats live in a maze like warren then you know there's a maze because it makes sense Mm -hmm. but you know in books and movies mazes kind of serve this narrative purpose of uh separating the heroes from the environment that they understand and are comfortable in you know it Mm -hmm. creates this confusion it provides this sense that they've maybe uh, as they get to the end of the maze a sense that maybe they've gotten in you know too deep so they won't be able to get back out easily Mm -hmm. uh i mean there's other more i guess metaphysical purposes to which mazes are put in stories but so why would you put a maze in an rpg and would you ever put one in because it serves a purpose other than just like logic like oh the trolls live in a maze so i guess we have to have one (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, like, the trolls might live in a maze, but, like, why? Why do they live in a maze? <laughs> right. is, I, think, I think it's a totally fair question. It's like, yeah, to, to what purpose does it serve? Um, so let me but let me bet in there, because one cool serve, purpose they could serve, but I don't know if I've ever really managed to evoke it in games, is um, when you think of, uh, so think of, like, mazes in horror movies, right? The mm-hmm. the I just watched through the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, and so uh, with my son, and in the Shelob like giant spider part she basically lives in like the equivalent of like a maze so yeah that uh so frodo is like lost he's bewildered he's subject to like surprise attacks from Mm -hmm. unexpected directions you know while he's in there and i think of other horror movies like you probably haven't seen the descent that's like a spelunking Mm -hmm. horror movie you know that whole movie is like them lost in a maze of caverns and Mm -hmm. that somebody else knows really well that they don't that they don't know as well. So they're totally just at the mercy of these creatures that live there. You can jump yeah. out at unexpected times, you know, that sort of thing. So that does work well in the sense of like giving creatures like kind of maze like layers, but it mm-hmm. also would is a heck of a challenge to evoke that particular experience in an RPG. So I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I just monologued while you were talking, while you were trying to talk, but no, no, that was, that was great. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, it's a defensive, you know, maneuver, I guess, to, to set up a maze. I, like, I mean, as you're talking like, you know, Shelob, like a troll, like those sorts of things, or you know, even the cave and the descent, like, those are all like naturally occurring mazes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something about like the, the cave is a maze that's really primal to RPGs. And I think also just like humanity. Right. The thought like I could go into this cave and there could be like you know, a crevice that I have to go through. And then it, you know, it just kind of keeps on going and going and going and you don't, yeah. you don't know what's out there and like that's a cool idea but i think a lot of times what ends up happening with mazes in rpgs is they're put as sort of a they're not the destination they're like an obstacle to get to the thing Mm -hmm. Uh, like you know get to something past them you know rather than it being like oh there's this cave and you know like inside the cave there's a you know piece of treasure you know, so you can go in there and you can navigate and you can find the piece of treasure and then you know, try to get your way out. It's often like, yeah, someone set up shop in there that you have to go, you know, go take care of them or you have to go through it to get to the, you know, something else on the other side. And then it just seems like more of an impediment rather than the thing that you're doing. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Um, yeah, and if the maze is an obstacle you have to get past on the way to your destination, as it come as it is in a lot of ad- adventures, uh, you know, I mean, what can the maze do to you in an RPG that is effective? Is there? Mm-hmm. I mean, it can slow you down. I mean, that seems like the main way it could uh, challenge you. But it's generally my experience that like the threat of delay is not a very exciting one. You know, for an RPG challenge, you know, I mean, we could imagine yeah. a scenario where there's this huge time crunch. But, you know, if your players roll poorly and it takes like four hours to get out of the maze instead of two, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you've worked that into your plot. But also that sounds kind of tedious and boring. And why why did we even bother having the maze there, right? <laughs> yeah. So when I think of like travel obstacles, if you think of a maze as like a travel obstacle, you know, that becomes mm-hmm. interesting when the players are presented with choices about how they want to handle it. Yeah. So, you know, can you give players interesting choices about how to get mm-hmm. through a maze? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned like taking, you know, using the left hand rule in a maze, just hugging the left wall until you get out of it. I mean, if you presented that as an option to the adventuring party, it's like you can do this. You don't know how long it's going to take, and it might not result in you know, like in, in you being able to get to the next area soon enough, and then maybe the princess is in a different castle when you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that sort of thing. Um, like that's, that's an interesting choice. Cause it's like, okay, look, we all know you're adults. We all know that you understand how you could just be defeat this maze, yeah. you know? But if you use a little bit of your wits about you, there's going to be some sort of advantage to you at the end of it. But I'm with you too. Like you don't, yeah. The difference between four hours and two hours is just an annoying two hours. You know, the difference between like, okay, we made this one decision and then let's sort of see how that plays out. Like we made the decision to do the left-hand rule, you know, and that's going to result in this or we're going to go through it and then that'll result in, in something else, right? Like, so I think there's like a, a gradation there of, of consequences, right? It's either got to be like something very bad happens or you've decided to go through it and then if you get through it, then it's just, it's sort of fine Yeah. at that point. It, um, uh, it occurs to me as well, you know, remembering back to when my players would say, oh, we're just going to follow the left-hand wall. And as GM, it's like, oh, you know, I can't really say no to that. That's a reasonable thing to do. But, you know, mm-hmm. people get lost in mazes even when they're trying very carefully to keep track of where they are. Like, so mm-hmm. my daughter had a birthday party one year at this, like, farm, and they had a big corn maze. And I went in there specifically like trying to be all cool and smart. And I got like really lost in the stupid corn maze. Uh, And also we had like, you know, the bus was leaving in like seven minutes and there was like 12 kids still lost in the maze. that (laughs) I had to get out. So there was extra pressure. But uh, so there is that thing of, you know, like the players can say, we're going to solve this maze using strategy X, Y, or Z. But, you know, uh, I still think as GM, you have the, you have the right to say, well, you, you certainly set out to solve it that way, but you must have screwed up somehow because now you are lost and that strategy isn't working for you anymore. Yeah, and I think there's there's also, like, if you really don't want them to use that and it's super important that they go through this maze the right way, have there not be a wall, you know, <laughs> in a few places, mm-hmm. you know, like, make it so they can't just use the left-hand rule. They have to make some sort of decision about, okay, well, now we're going to go on the right side instead. You know, like, when are we going to double back? Or there's two levels, you know, or they have to go down ladders and you know like i think there's ways to add some simple stuff to a maze to make it so they can't just use the the brute force strategy yeah but i mean like all that to say like i think whenever you encounter this problem where there is sort of an obvious and easy solution like if you take that away it's like well 
you know, like, what are we doing? Like, like why, like, why is there, why is there the maze? Like, what's the fun part about it mm-hmm. um, for a party? And maybe that's a, a, the question we should be asking is like, yeah, like, like what would a fun maze look like? Mm. Is a fun maze one that takes you four hours to get through because everybody has to sit there and make a detailed map to get through it? Or is a fun maze something that has two or three interesting routes in it, like kind of decisions yeah. that you have to make? I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, I don't know what, I can't say that, you know, I really love the idea of mazes as our discussion mm-hmm. so far has been kind of negative towards, you know, yeah. using mazes <laughs> in RPGs. But, you know, so what do mazes do in the in the fiction? You know, what does a maze do? I mean, it bewilders you, it disorients you, right? So if, mm-hmm. if your game has some sort of way of applying an effect or something like that to the players, that's like bewildered by the maze or feeling all turned around or something like that like if you have if you're playing a game like maybe fate or something like that where you could slap uh, an aspect or something like that on the players that it creates a little bit of a like a mechanical challenge for them in tackling whatever it is they're trying to do next so maybe they made it to Mm -hmm. the center of the maze to fight the boss but along the way they failed some role or something like that and they all are feeling you know just be well you know confused yeah I think like um you know as we're talking like I'm, I'm just defaulting to D&D cuz that's where a lot of these mazes pop up but I think you're right like having some abilities to to affect the narrative in other ways is um would make them more interesting to run through. Um I'm also thinking about cuz you know Lord of the Rings right like the the Mines of Moria sequence. Oh for sequence. sure. Yep. Yeah, it's like you know that is a in a lot of respects it's it's a it's a maze that they're going through. Right. Like, you know, they first try to just go over it completely. (laughs) They're trying to take the brute force method and then they're forced back and then they have to go go through the mines. You know, bad stuff happens. They navigate different things. There is only I think in like at least the movie version of that, there's there's one moment where they have to sit there and just sort of think about are they going to go up or down, you know, like left Mm -hmm. or right. But other than that, they're just sort of charging ahead and taking the next step, like because they sort of know know where things are um at that point and that whole sequence is exciting and riveting and has lots of stuff happening the whole time about it that would not happen if it's like okay now we're gonna sit here i'm gonna say like you gotta go 20 feet and then there's a left and a right junction yeah you know like yeah it's funny you should bring that up because uh as a kid you know one of the earliest games i ran was the middle earth role-playing game and i had a book which i loved reading on the on moria but I never ran it, and the main reason I didn't run it was actually I didn't know how I could handle a like dungeony maze that was that big in scale. Because at the time, mm. I didn't really have a good sense of when I could abstract like travel, you know. And even now, it would be a little bit of a challenge for me to think about like you know how do I want to represent that they're just navigating their way through this like city-sized uh, labyrinth, mm. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That but Moria is a perfect perfect example. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you could enter it. You know, the, so the Fellowship of the Ring enters it, and they have a guide who is like eighty percent sure he knows how to get through. <laughs> right. So they yeah. they have to pause a couple of times where he tries to remember which the path is. But and it does create a couple of interesting stop and get your bearing scenes in which something else exciting can happen. Right. So there's. Mm-hmm. There's that one scene they have while well, they're stopping getting their bearings. They have bearings. They have that character beat with Gandalf and Frodo talking about Gollum, and and another one they get to that t- to Balin's tomb, you know, and they, the scene sort of mm-hmm. pauses, and then Pippin fumbles his dexterity roll or whatever, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm getting yeah. carried away here, but uh... yeah, I mean, you could you could map that out in, in a D and D style thing. But I think importantly, the the lesson that I would take from that is it focuses a lot more on what you said those those character beats and like the the pauses rather than the the navigation yeah. part of it and. Yeah, like I think if there is something in this conversation that I'm drawing out, it's like the the navigation of the maze is like the the least fun part of it for me, at yeah. least. Like it's it's about all the all the pauses, all the different things that happen happen when you're in a maze. The despair that you might feel while you're in there is way more fun than like, okay, well we went left this time, let's loop back around and take it right this time. Yeah, and you know if you've got a group of enthusiastic role players, you know, being lost in a maze, especially you know the dangerous kind, you are likely to be lost in if you're in the Dungeons and Dragons world think mm-hmm. it's a stressful experience right so yeah. uh, if you have a group of enthusiastic role players you could pause periodically and just ask them play out a scene you two both you two have a disagree about whether you should go left or right like do mm-hmm. a quick role play it out and let's see what happens you know yeah <laughs> yeah because like if they're heroes and you're telling a heroic story like they're going to get to the end of it they should not die because they walked in a, you know, like we're right. walking through the maze. It should be, should be about something else. Um, I'm just, I'm, I keep thinking about you going into that corn maze, trying to like round up kids when the bus is about to leave. And that sounds like the most stressful maze oh, situation possible. It also, it had rained. So just to just, <laughs> it had rained massively like an hour before. Yeah. And so yeah. it was standing, the ground was all mud with like standing mm-hmm. pools of water and yeah. I had not worn boots. I was in like okay. work shoes. So I'm doing all this. The you know, the bus is leaving. The kids are lost. Mm-hmm. I am now lost. Uh, I'm trying to avoid like stepping into one of the puddles, and inevitably I like slip and face plant. You know, so I. <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was yeah. like actually a great little role playing scenario uh, yeah. that I can appreciate in retrospect. Yeah, the, the buses in the background, they're like honking the horn. Someone's saying like, we're going to head back without you. The, Thunder uh, cracks. That maze, you know, is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know how you would do this in an RPG exactly, but you know, that maze had, it was a very big one, but it had uh, little basically towers here and there that you would occasionally mm-hmm. round the corner and there was a tower where you could climb up, get go up there and get like the lay of the land, if you will. It made me mm-hmm. think of uh, like in The Hobbit, not to go overboard on Tolkien. You know, when they're yeah. lost in Mirkwood and Bilbo climbs up to the top of the trees. And oh, yeah. there's that beautiful moment where he, anyway, it was less beautiful in, real, in my real life experience. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he got up there and like, Tommy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I have a quick, quick question. Would you ever, uh, when the players get too amazed, could you ever imagine it being fun? to present the players, not the characters, with a maze or some sort of a puzzly game and, I don't know, time how long it takes them to solve it or something like that and have that be incorporated into the, um, have an effect on the fiction of the game? Would you ever be like, I here's, I printed out this maze, solve it, and you guys get through, but every time you hit a dead end, I roll for a random encounter or something like that? Hmm. Yeah, that could actually be a lot of fun um, now that you're saying that. I really like that idea. And you could even do it such like maybe there's, if you have like five players, you have 10 pieces of the maze that you've cut up, Mm. you know, and like have interests and exits for each of them and like distribute them amongst everybody uh, based on like maybe highest intelligence, you know, they decide who's going to be their navigator. Yeah. That person gets three of the papers and then they decide who's going to be the, the person running up the rear. Like maybe they don't get any or something like that, you know, and then they have a certain amount of time to finish all the mazes and put it together and, you know, figure out um, how do they get to the end? Like 
that could be really fun. I think it's just, yeah, the like D and D walking through, walking through, through a maze is, is not as, as interesting, but I think like, yeah, with the right group, anything can be, can be a good time. I was thinking about mazes in those video games that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode here. And you know what? Those those mazes are usually... There's usually something to them besides just, like, navigating through the maze. So uh, I remember in Zork 3 has a famous, well, I guess relatively speaking, maze. I mean, <laughs> yeah. in which... I mean, it would be one thing if you just had to solve the maze, which you could do by trial and error, but... In this one, you have to move some of the walls of the maze to get the maze to work. Um, it's mm. a horror. It's like a viciously cruel puzzle. But um, yeah, and like Bard's Tale would have these mazes, which wouldn't be very exciting if all you had to do is just find your way to the exit. But there were teleportation traps around that would teleport you to a different spot in the maze, and you would be challenged to like orient where you are in the maze and. I feel like that would be tricky, you know, to replicate those particular things in an RPG. But mm-hmm. if you gave the players something, some other problem that they were trying to figure out, that solving it would basically let them solve the maze. I wonder mm-hmm. if that might be a different way to do it. Basically, the challenge of the maze is not to roll to find your way out of it, but to try and figure out how these teleporters are working. Mm-hmm. And once you figure that out, sure, you... you time and trial and error will get you out of the maze yeah i like that i think we're finally to the the point where like now i'm like okay mazes are really cool where we started <laughs> yes. like, like all of our conversations started like mazes are dumb they're terrible it's never gone well for me but now <laughs> it's like right. oh there's lots of cool ways to approach amazing yeah um which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's ever listened to this show yeah <laughs> but it's yeah i mean like now i want to try that the cut up maze thing i want to try exactly what you said like with yeah there's there's some sort of like thing they had need to figure out that's more of a logic puzzle i think is that allows them to you know unlock enough of it just like okay well you've you've solved the maze but you yeah know, the hard part was was getting this this part of it yeah absolutely yeah all right all right well we should wrap up there indeed with our with our with our grand how on earth chris did we just talk for like a half hour about mazes uh i don't <laughs> I, know, I don't I have any feelings about these and i never i rarely use them but <laughs> yeah. now i want to well, so yeah now now you have feelings about them um all right well andy uh since you rolled you get to replace the topic oh. do you have anything that has been burning inside of your mind that you really want to make someone talk about uh yeah so i mean well no but i'll Try okay. and think of something real quick here. Yeah, it is your podcast after all. So it is should... my podcast. I could put whatever topic I want on this table. Wow, the power. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I'll try to be responsible with my power. So here's a question I don't think we've discussed. What is a time period or a historical setting that would make for a wonderful role-playing uh, setting or an environment and why? Nice. That's good. All right. Well, we will add that. And someone out there who's listening to this is just like, they need to talk about this. So hopefully, <laughs> yes. hopefully you get on here and you can, you can uh, roll that one. Yeah. But, we'll need to get a guest on here because otherwise it's going to be me talking about uh, Constantinople for about 30 minutes. And, uh, we don't <laughs> yeah. want that. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah. And I will be, I will be just talking about how great the 1990s were. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. All <laughs> Which right. Which is not true, but also think about it <laughs> yeah. okay 
All right. Well, um, thank you all for listening. Again, we, we really appreciate it. Um, we always love hearing from you too. So please reach out if you have listened to this and you like it. Um, if you have any comments or constructive criticism, we're open to that. Um, I don't really want to hear it if you didn't like it. Just find a different podcast, I guess. But that's my line in the sand. <laughs> Right, and tell us what other podcast you found that you like better. Yeah. I'm always looking for good <laughs> recommendations. Yes, yeah, that's, that's not a bad way to approach that. Um, all right, well, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. <laughs> <laughs>